My guest this week, I've known since she was about a week old. She's a gorgeous lady, a fabulous photographer and a brilliant cook. And she has a fabulous cooking program on the Discovery Channel. And she's also passionate about animal rights. I love her to bits and her name is Mary McCartney. Mary, hello. Hello, beautiful oh, woman. So lovely to see you. I think the last oh. time we saw each other was at Stella's Biggie birthday party. How much fun was that? I want oh, to do it all over again. Wasn't it fabulous? It was fabulous. And I mean, that was our first outing, probably, well, for 18 months. And, um, but we'd all been jabbed and we did all the tests, so I felt pretty safe. It was amazing. It was amazing. Lots of tears as well, happy ones and moving ones. I think the thing is these days when you get to actually see people that you love and you haven't seen in such a long time, it's just you get right down to it and just get really emotional, don't you? It's like, well, it was, it was, you know, I mean, there were a few people there, I, Lee and I didn't know, but most of them I've known well, I've known your dad since I was 17. I've known you since you popped out, little thing. I think you were probably a week old when I met you. You know, I was listening to your voice, you nattering with mum when I was in the womb, though. I was oh, thinking yes, about that's it. True. So, <laughs> and you can't, you, can't, you can't get away from my voice. <laughs> I always oh, my... think it's really, isn't it interesting, though, when you think about babies like that? It's like they're just about to be born. It's like they literally can hear everything. You haven't met them yet, but they can hear everything that's going on. I know, and it was. So, such yeah, a I will have been listening to Twiggy and Mum having a little natter and a cup of tea. Oh, your lovely mum! She was so excited when you. Well, we all were. You were the first one to pop out, and I think I made you a baby grow, didn't I? With I remember it actually. I sewed it. It was white terry toweling with ladybug buttons or ladybird, little ladybird buttons, because I can make little things. <laughs> I love it. Did you do it on the sewing machine? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's my big passion is sewing. As you know, I love to knit. And now I've got grandchildren. It's great because I can, I've can. i got my knitting needles out again because Carl is little boys, nearly two, Theo. So I'm knitting up a storm. And Joni, I've, you know, I love to sew dresses for her. She She's so opposite to Carly, my daughter. You know Carly. You've known her all your life. Yeah, but, um, beautiful. She hated anything twinkly. She only liked, well, she was, she was obsessed by Popeye. So she'd only wear sailor suits. <laughs> <laughs> so now Whereas, you've got a little girly granddaughter. Yeah, and she loves anything sparkly, anything pink. So, well, you, but you had you've got four boys. I've got boys, and there was actually Gorgeous a day boys. that a few years ago there was like a breast cancer. You know, October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they had a thing at school, and they were like just wear something pink, anything pink. And I went through and I realized I have not one pink thing. I, I don't have any pink clothes and there was nothing. So I had to like go around to my neighbor and borrow like a pink That's t-shirt. so funny. That is so funny. Well, they are lovely boys, I have to say. Even the dog is a boy. Oh gosh, you're the only female in the house. Yeah, I love it though. I love boys. Oh, yeah. Well, we love them all. Don't my dad was the opposite. I'm one of three girls. So he had my mum and us three, poor thing. <laughs> I love it. Imagine that around the dinner table, trying to get a word in edgeways. <laughs> well, he didn't. <laughs> he 
certainly didn't. But you you grew up mainly in the country, didn't you? In the countryside. Um, no, we we grew up in London till I was about nine or ten. Oh, did you? Um, I thought you were always down in in you know in East Sussex. No, no, no. We grew up in London till I was about nine or ten, and then. When I was about nine, I think mum and dad just decided it would be better to... We we had a weekend, but like we'd go to Sussex at the weekends. Yeah, and yeah. then we just went there one weekend and didn't come back. It was this tiny little house. Do you remember that? I tiny do remember house? it. Um, so it was, yeah, in the woods, it was like a sort of Snow White house. It was actually. Built by like quite an eccentric architect. I so think yeah, your was... mum told me she found it in a kind of country life one day and, and saw the picture of it. And they drove down to see it and just bought it. And she said it wasn't big enough for us all, but we just fell in love because it was. It, it is a magical place, isn't it? Yeah. And then so we moved down there permanently when I was about nine. And we went to the local comprehensive down there. And then I moved back to London when I was 18, got my first job. And so now I kind of go between the two. So the White Horse book that I did um, yeah. is all taken down there. It's like this White Horse book dad got and I sort of bonded with and I don't usually do horse pictures but I was taking pictures of him and sort of Instagramming him and then I realized he was sort of turning his head and posing for me like somebody would when I'm taking portraits so he became he became my subject so those pictures are all taken down there when did you when did you first pick up I mean obviously your mum you know you you were surat with your mum she was always taking I mean always. She was the most wonderful photographer and I, one of my favorite pictures funny enough I've got two of my favorite pictures one is that your mum took of me in a little it's just a little snap where I was sitting on your kitchen table with a headscarf on and she just snapped me and I love that picture and have you got these little plaits as well yeah and a green t- sparkly top that I'd knitted on yeah. my, knit- my I had a knitting machine <laughs> Goodness, green sparkly top, and then the other does everybody already know this about you? Or is this (laughs) going to be a revelation today, everyone? I don't know. Literally, she clothed us. She clothed (laughs) me growing up, and she knitted. But that photograph is a beautiful photograph. It's a great, just a very intimate moment. It's like I can imagine you kind of just. She took the picture, and then you imagine you just start. Yeah, we were just carrying on the chat. We were just chatting. Yeah. But my other favourite photograph that's also on the wall, a little further along, taken a few years later, was taken by you. You, Those pictures you took of me as Dietrich are amazing. Do you remember them? That was such a great day. That I love the one. I mean, it's not politically correct because I'm holding a cigarette and the smoke is blowing up alongside my face. But it's very period looking. It's black and white. It's the most beautiful photograph. Well, you became Dietrich. You became her, your sort of acting talent came out and you sort of, you really went into the zone. Yeah, I'm really glad we did that that day. They're, they're yeah, gorgeous so, photos. <clears throat> so in answer to your question though, I grew up, I mean like, because you knew mum as well, I grew up just watching her take pictures and not really sort of giving it much thought. It was just something that she always did and she'd have a camera on her. And then I I started taking pictures and I kind of thought everybody, because I grew up in such an artistic family, I kind of thought everybody could take pictures. So my first job was actually as a picture editor looking through other pictures. So I was oh, um, on the bus. So yeah, it was on the bus press and they would do music books. So they go or doing a book on David Bowie. And then I'd research photographers that had taken pictures of him and like 
get in touch with them or go to photo libraries. So I always loved photography, but didn't sort of have that confidence to do it myself. And then my friend hates it when I tell this, but I actually was with one of my best friends and I was looking at her holiday pictures and they were just so bad. It was like literally <laughs> the composition, the thing. And I was just like, oh my God, not everybody can take pictures. No. So I phoned mum and I said, look, I've decided I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go as a profession. And she gave me a Leica R camera, mm. which I still love to use. And um, that was it. Yeah. Did Did you have to kind of, did she teach or did she, know all the technical side or do you just do it all visually did you have to learn all the tech technical things like the numbers of the lens and all you know I mean major things it all sounds like double dutch to me the times I've been behind the other side of a camera but I still don't understand all those f-stops and all, all the things. yeah yeah I found it very confusing um because that's the thing it was like Mum wasn't like a very technical, she was more of like a, you know, she would see. So basically when I picked up the camera, I started trying to like taking the pictures. I have a very similar style to mum. Like we would be drawn to very similar things. You know, I often love this thing. It's like if we had a camera now and we were going to take one roll of film, we'd come back with very different things that would catch our eye. But Mm. mum and I would often be drawn to the same things and love available light and, um, you know, interested in court moments, like obs- observed moments rather than big productions and setting things up. So when I started sort of trying to take those pictures, I'd miss the moment all the time because I was like, how did she do it? She'd focus, she'd get the f-stop, the shutter speed, and she'd just take the picture and carry on. So she wouldn't labor over it and take rolls and rolls of film. Mm. So um, so in, I did go to college I just did a, a, a college course um at Westminster in London oh, okay. for a week to go and learn so it was like f-stops shutter speed and they gave you a couple of uh, assignments to go and do so I did that and then from that I then learned on the job as I say I got like a an that's, editorial job that's and the best yeah. way to learn isn't it I yeah. think in most things it's the best way to learn <laughs> and the, what I love about it is I'm still always learning but now I know the technical side, what it is for me is, is as a portrait photographer, it's very challenging. It is actually challenging to get somebody to relax. And I, I love to do what I do because I feel like, yes, I'm doing it maybe for a commission or for an exhibition, but actually those pictures are then something personal for that person mm. to sort of hand down to their children through generations. So I feel like it's very worthwhile, but I, I do laugh sometimes because I'll be having a nice chat with someone and then I'm like, okay, now I need to take pictures and I pick up the camera and they physically recoil away from me and I can see their shoulders hunch up and their fingers get really clenched. And then I'm like, now we're going to relax. I'll talk you through it. And it's a whole process. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, because obviously because of the job I did, that was never a problem for me. But I know even lots of actors, you put them in front actors of a still camera. hate it. They hate you, being photographed. Isn't it funny? You put them in front of a still camera and they do, they just stiffen up because they're not playing a role. They're, you know, it's so funny that. So I remember that. I, I took pictures of Henry Carvel, um, that actor who was playing Superman. And that was the first time I had that experience. It was probably about 
15 years ago. And he was really like, didn't know what to do. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to be amazing because he's an actor and, you know, and so it is, it's great when I'm, you know, I love the challenge of all of the different things, but I was, I said to him, but, but you're in front of the camera all the time, but he's like, yeah, but I'm always playing a different role. I'm not being me. So it was like a real sort of moment. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Your photo- I love your photography because you, you, you capture moments often when people aren't aware, you know, it's, it's like a reportage, isn't it? I mean, years ago, that's what we called it, reportage photography. And it's actually some of my favorite mm. photographs when people are unaware and you catch moments and, you know, there are famous, famous photographs. Like um, one of the, my favorites of all is the one of the, at the end of, I think it was the end of war, World War Two, and it's either a sailor or a soldier bending a woman over, I think in Times Square, kissing her. I mean, it's a yeah. Very famous photograph. I don't know who took it, but it captured that moment in time in the world so brilliantly. You couldn't have, if you'd have had them lined up and smiling, it wouldn't have worked, would it? Uh, no, it's a beautiful, it's just a, the most sort of celebrational kiss in the world, isn't it? That oh. one, the moment. Yeah, I know that picture. But yeah, I don't, I do, I sort of do a whole, I do a range of things, but they're all kind of in my style. So I'll do court moments like on my Instagram I have this hashtag someone and I actually take that on my iPhone and when I'm wondering when I'm wondering I kind of see someone that catches my eye and then I'll take that picture and that'll go on my Instagram and then I'll as you say I'm always have a camera with me and I'll sort of more my mum's influence sort of looking for moments so I, I kind of have I'm always collecting pictures for my archive and that might become an exhibition at some point but then I often I also do studies and commissions so in those cases I I need to I have a team it's not just me and the camera I'll have like an assistant with a light and may you know if we're doing a fashion shoot it'll be hair and makeup and styling but it's still in my style and I like a smaller team as possible so that there's a sort of intimacy so you can really connect with whoever's in front of the camera for me yeah, but um, I, and then I and I try and I like it to still look available. Like it's kind, of, it is quite filmic in that I don't want it to look like a production. I want it to look like a moment that you've the viewer has walked in on, so that they're curious about what's around it. The photo you took of me is amazing because that was actually ostensibly kind of a fashion shoot, wasn't it? But um, yeah, it, but it turned it. I mean, the lighting. Because to me, a, a lot of great photography is always, always also about lighting. And the lighting that you managed to conjure up, I'll never quite know how you did it, but it because it's but, like a 30s photograph. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and you know what? It's interesting because we we kind of had that idea and took those pictures mm. and, then, and then I didn't really do anything with them. And that's what I, I kind of love that I've got them. But then you contacted me and you were like, I'm doing this thing at the National Portrait Gallery. Why have we not used those pictures? And I was like, <laughs> yes, they are now in the world. So yeah, that's true. I did a project with Mark Rylance. Um, he doesn't really allow anybody backstage with his process. You know, the amazing actor yeah, Mark amazing. Rylance. And he, um, I was doing this project of like people. I, like, I always love that thing of like what goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, I've, I've been behind the scenes with the Royal Ballet and I'd be in the dressing rooms with them and in their, I'd go and stay literally on their sofa in their homes. And what goes on behind the scenes? Because I, I know 
from my upbringing, that big show isn't just an amazing show. There's so much hard work that goes on to get to that point. And who is that person? And what do they, how do they, what devotion, what do they go through to, to get to that pinnacle? But yeah, he, it's a book called Twelfth Night. And he allowed me, he played Olivia. So he allowed me to photograph him as he was putting on his makeup. And I could just see his process. He, he was becoming Olivia. Mark was leaving and Olivia coming and then he sort of leant over to me and said do you want to stay and like take pictures behind the stage during the show and I was like oh my goodness I've not prepared for this but <laughs> that's what I love it's an adventure I said yes and it's like this amazing ensemble cast and everyone was the cast I could see them looking at me going why is Mark what what is this person that like we've never had anyone back here with the camera so and there was no light it was like very candlelit so I was like, please, will the pictures come out? Oh. And and it's um, <laughs> it's this really beautiful time capsule study that sort of happens spontaneously. Which you know, that's that's the adventure of what I do. Those are like the, the sort of highlights of of what I do. This is a technical question, and I may be way off the mark, but do you still use film in your cameras, or are they all digital? I do both. I do. Both. Do you have a preference? I mean, I'll always prefer film, but I do both. And I like, say, if I'm doing a commission, I'll often do digital and I'll have a film camera with me. But because then I like that interaction, You, if you're working with a art director, or like if I'm taking pictures of you now, yeah. sometimes it's nice. I could take a picture and I could show it to you. Yeah. Then you get excited and then you go back and we can kind of collaborate. Yeah, But I'm also a very easily distracted person. And <laughs> often if I'm shooting, I used to shoot, they call it tethered. So you have a cable from the camera going to the laptop and I have a digital operator and he'll sort of calibrate it. And then I'm always looking at the screen. So I stopped doing that along a few years ago because I, was, I wasn't connecting with my sitter. I was just kept looking at the screen. So if I shoot digitally, I'll shoot to a card, I'll give it to the digital operator and then I'll carry on shooting and then I'll sort of check it because I like that connection. I need to stay focused on who I'm with. I forgot to ask you, but have you got your cup of tea? I got my tea. Oh, you got a very pretty mug. Little heart. Because oh, I knew I was else. seeing you because I love <laughs> you so much. Oh, thank you. And actually, I mean, we've spent all this time talking about your brilliant photography. And you, oh, oh before we stop that, you photographed the Queen, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. <gasps> I know. So, so that's was the that thing. scary? It was <laughs> the most scared I've ever been. <laughs> I had an out of body experience because it was it was completely secret. It was <laughs> I was called into the palace and it was like oh my goodness. And um it was like it I was commissioned to take a portrait of her um that they released the Buckingham Palace released as uh her portrait to celebrate her as longest reigning monarch. And so I was called in in the July and then the photo was released in the September. Yeah. Um so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the palace. I might take a picture of the queen. And then when I went there, they said, this has to be top secret. If it gets out, then we'll cancel the whole thing. So when oh I went God. back, everyone's like, oh, how was it? And I was like, what do you mean? I have no idea. What you're... <laughs> I was like covering my tracks. 
And I, I actually didn't tell anyone. I didn't. What I loved was I didn't tell my sister Stella because I waited for it to come out. And then she was like, how did you not tell me about this? Because I was like, this is so funny. I'm just going to wait for her to see it in the papers. That is so funny. But, um, yeah, I was so nervous. I kind of had this thing where I thought to do this picture, I should just go me and one other person and not bring a big team because I felt like Her Majesty would like, wouldn't like the fuss. So I just went with one person. I was waiting in the in the hallway in the palace and uh, she came up and I curtsied, which I loved because I practiced my curtsy all of my childhood. So actually to do it for the queen. But then in my mind, I went up and I like touched her shoulder and was like, hey, how are you doing? And then I said to my assistant, I, like, I can't believe I just said that to the queen. And she said, you didn't. <laughs> you, you were like, hello, mom. You know, I did all the etiquette, but in my mind, I sort of, had this outer body nervous Uh, moment and I I did shoot that on film which also was nerve-wracking because I was like why wouldn't you shoot some digital so you know you have the picture so I was like waiting for the Mm. film to come back but I love I love the quality of it so yeah it was was an amazing picture absolutely well what I loved about it was I think the reason they chose me is because it wasn't her informal attire it was her sort of she wanted it to be like you know her in usual day you know her usual day so it had the red box with the paperwork in and her sitting at her chair with her little handbag on the back Uh of the chair and um you know little family pictures around it so I kind of love the narrative of that yeah and she was in a really good mood she was smiling and laughing and you know it was before their summer exhibition so she was sort of talking about that so it was oh well well done you but very stressful (laughs) I've met her a few times but I've you know I mean it's literally she's been to see things that I've been involved with but and she's divine and I, I you know I love her but you do get nervous don't you and you think oh don't let me trip up and don't let me kind of. <laughs> let let me focus. <laughs> let me focus. But she yeah, is an so. extraordinary woman. Extraordinary woman. I love yeah, her. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for her. And I oh, love, so she's very feisty and she was very on it. Like every decision, you know, she's very on the ball. She, you know, she's, she's not led around and told what to do. She's very in control of her own day. And, you know, she's really... Yeah, it was a great insight. I mean, that's the to be invited into people's personal world is mm. like what I live for. And I think it's because growing up, we were so kind of observed. Like we'd yeah. go out for dinner and people would be looking at us. But then when we were at home, it was a very sort of close knit family. Knowing you and your lovely parents as I do that's what's so amazing about you guys because when you are at home a lot it is it's like being with your mates very normal, very normal. and I think yeah. both your mum and your dad have done an incredible job raising in that spotlight it's re- I mean I've been in the spotlight but not on the level of your dad I mean it, it must there must have been times as a kid where it was hard I mean, you get used to it and it was odd. And also because we went to comprehensive school, it was a bit like odd one out. So you did feel a bit sort of, uh, you know, I did. And I was a very shy sort of kid, like teen. I'm quite awkward at that age. So, but it's also what's really molded me and shaped me. And I'm a real people person. I love watching people and looking at relationships and, and then the whole other thing we haven't talked about is food. So I like 
sort of photographing people and then I love cooking for people and sort of looking at someone and thinking what would they like and what would I cook for them so yeah the whole it's sort of all about connecting with people in a in a I find that when it when there's good chemistry I think it's just great well you know food is the entrance into many friendships isn't it I mean I yeah I was thinking yesterday your mum and dad were so much the forerunners of the vegetarian and now the vegan movement. Community. Yeah. It's amazing because they were, I mean, gosh, it, it goes, when when did your mum launch well, uh, Linda McCartney Foods? Uh, I think 1990. But also they went, they went veggie in like the late 70s, I would say, and it was sort of, at the time, like growing up, that also that was another thing that made it quite awkward because we were always in the family wanting the veggie meals, which wasn't normal. I lived a lot on a egg and I know chips and beans at school dinners, <laughs> which I still yeah, love. Yeah, because Lee's son Ace, who you know, my stepson, mm. he he has been ve- he's been vegetarian since he was a little boy, and in his teenage school, they. It, it, you know, this is 25 years ago, there were very few vegetarian options. So he probably, like you, lived on egg, baked beans and chips. <laughs> I know. Thank goodness for baked beans. Yeah, but, um, but, but yeah, it was awkward. You know, at times it would be embarrassing, but at home the food was amazing. Like you, you knew mum, the food yeah. was delicious. And we, what was really cool looking back on it is as a family, and dad was, you know, we talked about food a lot. We talked about how do we, if we're not going to eat meat or fish, there's a gap on the plate. Mm. What are we going to fill it with? What are we going to cook? And so we would really love talking about food and making great flavors. And so I, I really grew up and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I would ask mom, like, what did you put in that? Like gave it extra mm. flavor. Like how come mine didn't taste as good? And, you know, little tips that I picked up and and now I've sort of just sort of carried on and put my little twist on. So I'm passionate about it. But it does go back to similarly to my photography. It's sort of about, as you say, friendships are made over it. You yeah. cook somebody a good meal, it puts you in a good mood, and then you just the conversation flows and you know it's heaven. Well, I have to say the best minestrone recipe in the world is yours. <laughs> oh my God. Both Carly and I live by that. That is everyone out there listening. You've got to get it's your it's in which cookbook is it? I Remind think it's me in the title. Food. 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 That's right. And um, <laughs> it is, it's I've done a few different ones, but yours is the best. It's brilliant. Your recipes are really easy to follow. That's important. And well, your mum. The whole the whole point. I mean, some people may even say they're too easy to follow, but my point is is that I like to. I like to do recipes thinking of people that don't cook that much. So sometimes yeah. I think some cookbooks are like a little hard to follow because it's like, well, yeah, if I know how to cook, great. But you know, when you're making a cake or something and you get one bowl and it's not the right size, you're like, why didn't they just tell me to get a medium sized bowl? Cause I've got a, you know, it doesn't yeah, fit yeah, everything. Yeah. So yeah. I'm always like, get a medium bowl, put it on a low <laughs> heat, blah, blah, blah. But from that, I've just done season two of this. I was just to say, just, cooking show. It, on do Discovery you love it? Plus. I know it's I've watched Dis- them. They're it, brilliant. Well, I love it, and it's funny how it came about because I always wanted to do some kind of cooking show, even though I'm not 
ever really in front of the camera, but actually my husband, Simon, mentioned it to somebody at a party a few summers ago. And then he happened to be uh, at Discovery and he was like, let's do it. So that became Mary McCartney serves it up. But, but that I try, I do it as, again, as simple as possible shortcuts. Cause I think with vegetarian and plant-based cooking, people have these, I, I like to myth bust. So people think like really loads of ingredients that are quite difficult to get, you know, a lot of faff take a lot of time. So my, my cooking style is just like, right, how, what ingredients do we need? Don't put anything extra that we don't need but inject it with as much flavor and Mm. and oomph as possible. But, and I love a shortcut (laughs) and I, and I love prepare ahead. So it's all like make it ahead. So when your friends arrive, you can enjoy it time with them. You're not like sweating around getting stressed in the kitchen. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, um, I, I mean, I love, I'm not, I'm not a baker. I've never learned to bake maybe because we don't really eat. I, d- I don't like cakes very much and Lee mm. is not a big he he's a savory guy so we don't really have to so I've never learned really to bake but I do love cooking you know main courses and and I love I, um, it if, I, if we go to a restaurant and I we have something that I love I love to go home and try and replicate it yeah and often I'll ask the chef what's it you know what's actually in that what what you know and in and yeah. then you do your own version and it's it's interesting and that's such a compliment. Like the chef will love that. Like when someone's like, oh, what was that? I can't, you know, I, lo- I loved it. Can I have the recipe? That's like the biggest compliment. The fun is was we had, we were in Florida and we'd gone to an Italian restaurant and we had pasta and salad and the salad dressing was the best salad dressing I've ever had in my life. So I asked for the recipe and at the end of the meal, they were, they gave me a piece of paper with all the thing. And when we got home to London, I said to Lee, "I'm going to do that dressing." And I opened it, and it was <gasps> it was enough for forty people because it was the restaurant's recipe. Hilarious! So did you and bottle I, it and sell I it? Did, I didn't know how I didn't know how to cut it down because it was su- such huge amounts. So I never really got it down. Do you still have that fight. recipe? Probably somewhere in Will my... Will you send my, it to me? If I can find it. Maybe you can <laughs> shrink it down. I'll but shrink it down. So funny it was like... But I want to talk about baking with you more because... Because again, because I grew up the same kind of thing. Like mum would make up recipes, like look in the larder and make up a recipe. So that's kind of what I do. And then my husband, Simon, would be like, well, we've just had this thing, but I'm like, I love that dish. Will you remember it and write it down? Because you're probably not going to make it again because you just always are. So doing the cooking show and the cookbooks is a really good way of like writing down the exactly. recipe sort of, but then, so I never learned, we never really baked or did any, mum would make brownies, which was amazing. Mm. And, but other than that, not baking. And then my step grandmother, cause her mum's mum died when she was young. So we never met That's her. Right. That's right. Our grandfather married this French American woman. So she would do a lot of bake, you know, she was sort of French cuisine. Yeah, lovely. And um, she taught me a few recipes. And what I love about it is with baking, you don't have to bake for someone. Like your dinner, you're like, we're going to eat dinner. But with baking, you do it as to please somebody. So like the Great British Bake Off is one of my favorite ever cooking shows (laughs) because the drama of like, you can make the most beautiful looking cake, but if you leave it for one minute too long, and it's dry 
it's like your heart sinks because it's like yeah. oh. but um it, it, but it's best... not only to look good it's got to taste good <laughs> yeah and so when you cook something amazing for someone and it's baked and and they it makes them happy it's sort of the this the sort of it's an extra level of happiness but the the thing that she taught me which really I think is the best tip in baking I've ever been taught was to get an oven thermometer oh so you because if your oven so do you put it in the cake or do you, you put, put it, it no 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 you have it it goes on the, it goes on the rack so if it says cook oh. it at 200 that you'll see that it really is 200 because sometimes oh, yeah Ovens if you've got a fan as, yeah and if it's fan assisted you have it on 200 it might be 220 and then yeah. you cook it and it will cook too fast so the outside will burn but the inside oh. won't be cooked so oven thermometer is what I passed Mary, down Mary, to Mary's everybody. tips for baking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have a hand in your mum's vegetarian food? Yes, yes. Yeah. Me and Dad and Stella. I thought um, you did. Are on it, yeah. So we do like new product development and meetings about yeah all the sort of I oversee the food photography and you know yeah. we do still sort of looks more at the packaging design and yeah we do food tastings and it's important for because we we kind of knew we know mum's passion and style mm-hmm. and taste so it, it, you know we always want it to have that personal touch yeah I she agree. was a, she was a pioneer she was ahead of her time she that's what and, I, I, I mean it, as you say she started it what yeah. in 1990 nobody was well there may have been a few quirky yeah. in vegetarian shops but you there was nothing yeah. in the supermarket but also there? but also she did it from such a kind place she never mm. was like I'm now going to do a vegetarian cookbook to make money she she would basically people would come around for dinner and they're like that was delicious and if I could eat like this then I'd eat more vegetarian yeah. food and she heard it so many times in the end she was like, right, here's a book. Now you can do it. So she kind of did it to be able to give people to to sort of encourage them into a vegetarian lifestyle to save the animals. Yeah, I say it was done, it was done from that basic yeah. thing, wasn't it? She was and such it, a big and then it animal was huge. lover. And then it was huge and she was so surprised. And then <laughs> from that, somebody from a food, frozen food company approached her and said, look, could we adapt some of these recipes and make them into a food range so again she didn't go out going I'm going to do a food range and let's do a business plan and she was amazed how you know that that did so well and it's still you know it's still going strong when when just going back a bit when you when you were little and your dad toured did you go on did you tour because I've spoken to a few people who've been in like Ronnie Wood in bands and he said his kids would always go on tour and there'd be kids running did you do that did you were backstage was that fun it was fun because it was such a great crew so it was like the band were like uncles or um, you know, the travel agent is still our travel agent. I've known him since 1975. Yeah, mine. And so it, it it becomes family and it and it was great adventures. So but they're very young childhood memories because they toured until we went to school and then they kind of stopped for a bit because they didn't want to leave us at home. And then they started again was it like late in the late eighties. So then I had a more of a, a grown up sort of version of going but yeah. I loved it I loved watching them perform and I literally 
just don't know how anyone can get up on a stage and do that. <laughs> I would we, I would faint with stress. You, your dad is I don't know good. how you get up on stage well, like when you've been doing theatre. Well, you do it because you learn it. And, 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 you know, when I... The biggest thing I've ever done like that was in New York in the 80s and it was a big musical. But we were singing Gershwin music, so it was so beautiful. And once you learn it and get over... I mean, I was terrified. And actually mm. when the director rang me the first time and said we're going to do this thing on stage I said I can't do that and he said there's no such word as can't pack your bags and get out to New York which is true actually but But isn't um, that fun you just say you sort of say yes and then you're like oh my god I said yes I have to do it but "Ah." that's so funny but Um, I just changing the subject I actually wanted to ask you something I was thinking about it because of watching the the get back and then I was thinking I think mum was just pregnant with me at that time like literally and I was thinking how you will have known them at the time what I love about the get back is that you see how well they got on and the writing process and the and the chemistry between them but I was thinking actually it became a very stressful time because they had they went through the legal battles do you remember do you like? Did you talk to mum and dad about that at the time? Was it something you were aware of? Of, of the the split when they were ending. Well, well, because dad had to sue. He he didn't want Alan Klein as their I manager. Know. Yeah. And the only way to get rid of Alan Klein, which broke his heart, is like they were like the only way you can get rid of Alan Klein is you have to sue the other band members. Yeah. No, I and I, that, I think I that don't... must have been such a stressful yeah. time. It must have been. I don't rem- remember Evan really discussing that with your dad. And yeah. and, and at that time, because I met your gorgeous mum when your dad met her in, in New York. And I remember because I met him before he met your mum, because there was a project we were all going to do together that didn't happen with Ken Russell. And Is that Romeo and Juliet? It was a, it was a book called The Wishing Tree by William Faulkner which was about a kind of magical man who traveled the world with a very young girl. And um, it was like a magical story. And he wanted your dad to do the music. So we, I had a lunch, I had a lunch with Ken and I already knew Ken and then your, your dad came and that's how we became friends. Cause we just hit it off. And it's funny for me, cause I was a huge, like everyone in the world, Beatles fan. And I was only 17, you know, so I was like very nervous to meet him. And anyway, we got on like a house on fire, became friends. And then a couple of years later, it must have been, he'd met your mum. And I remember him calling me and he said, I've met this wonderful lady and she's American. She's coming over and she doesn't have any girlfriends here. Would you take her shopping? I said, me shopping? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I remember meeting your your lovely mum and Heather, her little girl who was six. Can you believe it? um, And we went out to lunch at San Lorenzo and um, we just hit it off. Where did you take her shopping? Oh gosh, I can't remember now. We met, oh, we probably there was a wonderful shop actually. She she um, I think she loved those dresses. Like I, there was a shop in at the end of the King's Road called Van der Franzen. Do you remember those dresses? I think your mum had a few because I remember Stella a few years back for the children's range. She did a kind of mini version. I think it was she told me found it was from one of your mums she used they were like a-line dresses with different um like she'd do a a polka dot dress with a paisley 
Yeah, I remember the dresses. I didn't know yeah. that was the designer. Uh, they've oh, gone I love that. Ago. So That's we must I... have shopped there because you remember in that that was in the probably late. Six, well, when when did your dad meet your mum? Ninety. Uh, I would say I don't know. I was born in nineteen sixty nine. I, I want to say sixty. 768. Yeah, so it was around that time. So in that time, the King's Road was full of boutiques. It wasn't so many chain shops like there are today. So I'm guessing that's where I would have taken it. And to uh, to Bieber and to like the one I said, Van der Franzen. We just had fun. It was great. Yeah. And we we just hit it off, of course. Good chemistry. <laughs> that's what we like, a bit of good chemistry, yeah. friendship. It is. Well, that's what life's all about. Well, I love you so much. And I love that I love that we got to do this together. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for joining me on my tea. But I've got to ask you one question. I bet everyone asks you. Do you do you have a favorite Beatles song? Um almost impossible questions. There's so many. <laughs> well, I always go for like the favorite wings songs because I love to hear mum and dad singing together. But I think Day in the Life probably just this one, but yeah, it's not, it's an impossible. I'm just saying that because that's what's come to mind, but that is an impossible question. I love Maybe I'm Amazed, it's amazing. And then there's one of mum and dad singing together, a wing song called I Am Your Singer, which is like melts my heart when I listen to it. It's so lovely. What amazes me, the last, well, I've been to a few of your dad's um, concerts, but that he's on stage for what up to three hours, and every song is a hit song. I mean, it's, and he could keep going, and it's well. bonkers. And he's probably <laughs> got enough for six hours or nine. I mean, it's, he is extraordinary. He is an extraordinary human being, and uh, and I, I, you know, the the fact that you you guys have all grown up so normally is so lovely, because it could have gone the other way, couldn't it? If you think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's go any direction. <laughs> and now you've carried it on with you because you, your four boys are absolutely gorgeous. Aww, thank kids. you, babe. We like a bit of mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> like that. We love that. I love like family dinners. I know that's what when we all get together, it's the same thing. It's like you're at a table with the, you know, get some good food on the table, family style, and then you can all sort of have banter and like talk over each other and have four conversations at the same time. <laughs> Which we can't <laughs> do with this. My producer's going to tell me off because I've talked over you a couple of times. Now he's waving. <laughs> I'm in the good books. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining me. I'll I'll see you very, very soon. Yes. And good luck with all the new things you're doing. I love you. Bye. Oh, that was so lovely chatting to darling Mary. It's so funny when you've known, I've known her all her life. And as she, she said that she's known me since before she was born with me chatting to her gorgeous mum, Linda. But um, that was a joy to catch up with her. And do catch her on the Discovery Channel. It's a brilliant programme and she is a fabulous cook. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. See you soon. Lots of love. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson.
My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.